Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hi. The concept of acting as one cannot be overstated. Because of that, I want to talk about how we could use the Trinity, the Godhead of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as our model for how we should act as one. So we're going to deal with 12 Trinitarian principles that release power and purpose. Many years ago, I came to the conclusion that the triune Godhood served as an example of how we should operate in government, in family, in church, and in every aspect of life. And this is because it was the Godhead that released the whole universe. So out of that, we could understand underlying principles that are applicable to every part of our own life and every endeavor we're involved. And this is because of a principle called the one and the many, how we could have sameness and purpose but diversity in expression of purpose, and we'll get into that more. So, as I said, I want to talk about 12 Trinitarian principles. By Trinitarian, we're talking about principles that emanate out of the triune God or the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And understanding these can unlock your purpose and even power. So, number one, we understand that with the triune Godhood, there is oneness, not mere unity. And so they are of one heart and one mind. They don't just function with mere unity, which is a temporary arrangement based on a cause or an event. What the church often prays for today is mere unity. We don't need just mere unity. Unity is a temporary construct. We need unity to lead to oneness. Oneness, which means that we're connected in our heart, mind, and soul. Jesus said that the world will not believe that he was sent until he and the Father and the church are one. Even as he and the Father are one, we should be one with him. John 17, verse 10 says, all mine is yours, Jesus said to the Father, and all that you have is mine, and I am glorified in them, meaning the church. I am no longer in the world, but they, meaning the church, are in the world, and I'm coming to you. O Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me. Those you have given me, keep in your name that they may be one, even as we are one. So his prayers for oneness, that we could act as one with the Trinity, because it was the Trinity that created the world and gave us purpose And so as the Trinity is one with each other, we're called to be one with the Trinity, but also one with the body of Christ. And so I want to give you a few contrasts between unity and oneness before we continue in this message. Number one, unity is a process. Oneness is the product. Number two, unity depends on an event. Oneness transcends an event and knits people together. In unity, people assemble for a common interest. In oneness, people are integrated for kingdom purpose. So when we get together on a Sunday morning in church, 
or if we go out and there's some kind of baseball game, a football game, or if someone's involved in a protest, that is an event, and for the time that encompasses that event, people have unity, because they're committed to the same cause. They want to see a game, they want to protest, they want to come to a particular place for a particular reason. But we need more than unity, because when the game is over, people go their own way. For three hours, they were cheering for the same football team, but when they leave, they're cheering for different things. So oneness is greater than unity. In oneness, people are integrated for a kingdom purpose. Number four, unity is the means, like a Sunday service. Oneness is the end. Number five, unity is how we should start. Oneness is how we should finish. Number six, unity is built upon encouragement. Oneness is built upon purpose. Number seven, unity releases temporary momentum. Oneness creates synergy that maximizes purpose for an ongoing unity and cause. Let's go to a second principle in the Trinity. We see that there is continual access and communication. As we read the Gospels, especially John, we notice how the Son had direct access and was in constant communion with the Father. Thus, if any entity, church, organization, ministry is going to succeed, there has to be clear lines and protocols for communication that have to be set in order to avoid confusion and maintain forward motion. We see in John chapter 11, verse 41, Jesus, when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, said this to the Father, I thank you, you have heard me. I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And so if he had no access to the Father, he wouldn't have been the one deputized to represent the Father. When people don't have access to the boss or to you as the lead pastor, apostle, or whatever your title is, that means they don't have real clear authority. Without access, there's no real functionality and authority. And so in the Trinitarian principle, we understand is continual access and communication. Number three, there is one purpose. The Father and Son had one purpose. God has called his people to be in one accord, to release power and purpose. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul appealed to the Corinthian church that there would be no divisions among them and that they'd be united in the same mind and same judgment. When Pilate was interviewing Jesus before the cru crucifixion, he asked Jesus in John 18, verse 36, if he was a king. And Jesus said in verse 37, it was for this cause I appeared, I came. In other words, I came to be a king and to bear witness of the truth. Whoever is of the truth will listen to me. So Jesus didn't flinch. He admitted to Pilate he was a king, and that was the purpose for which he came. And so in the Trinitarian model of oneness, there is purpose released. Number four, there is unity and diversity. Each member of the Godhead has a distinct personality and function, even though there are only one God. There's only one God. Together, each member illustrates that true unity is not uniformity or sameness, but a celebration of the unique contribution 
each individual makes to fulfill their common objectives. We find the distinctions in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. We also see it in Matthew 28. We baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Three names mentioned, which means there's three distinct expressions or personas of the triune God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Number five, we see in the Trinitarian principle that there is mutual respect and honor. As we read the Gospel of John, we can easily recognize how each member of the Godhead honored, loved, and respected one another. There was no jealousy, competition, or insecurity among them. And so when we look at that, we realize that if we're going to flourish in, an, in any church or organization, we need to have these qualities of the Godhead within our core leadership or we will not go very far. For example, in John 5, starting with verse 19, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. So he was submitted to the Father. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these shall he show him, that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that they all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So you see that honorable relationship, how they deferred to one another, how they all had each individual responsibilities but Jesus was submitted to the Father, even though he was to be honored equally to the Father. Isn't that amazing? And so in that Trinitarian, Trinitarian principle, we have to learn that if we're going to flourish as organizations or churches, even in government, whatever it is, families, there has to be mutual respect and honor at the core of our culture. Number six. There is mutual edification and support. In the Gospels, we see how the Father loved the Son and encouraged him. In Luke chapter 3, we see that when Jesus came out of the baptisms of water, uh, he was water baptized by John the Baptist, and as soon as the Spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And so we find that there was an edification and support of each other's roles. The father told the son that he was pleased with him when he was about to embark in his ministry, and the Holy Spirit also corresponded by coming upon him to prepare him for the wilderness and his ensuing ministry. Number six, seven rather, there are tangible outcomes resulting in multiplication. So in the Trinitarian principle of oneness, there are tangible outcomes. It's outcome-based. There's a purpose with outcomes that are in view, resulting in multiplication. And so, for example, the oneness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit resulted in the formation of the universe. We see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in that word, God, it's Elohim. I am is a plural it showed the possibility for more than one person who made up the Elohim mentioned there. And then in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and apart from Him was nothing made that has been made. 
And so we see there that there is a oneness. There's more than one person in the Godhead, but they all were working together with the result being the universe was formed and fashioned. As a matter of fact, Jesus' high priestly prayer, as is recorded in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, there was definitely an outcome base on him being sent. He wasn't just running around, healing everybody, preaching, seeing what would happen every day. There was something that he was looking for. And that's why in John 17, he told the Father, I've glorified you on the earth, having finished the work you've given me to do. And so there was a finishing point. Jesus on the cross, of course, said, it is finished. How could he know it's finished if there wasn't an outcome they were looking for? Number eight, another Trinitarian principle is there's creativity and problem solving. They, every challenge becomes an opportunity for those who understand this. And so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but then it said in the that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So God was able to take chaos and utilize that chaos to create the beauty of creation, the different colors of the animals, the plants, the water kingdom, the, uh, the kingdom of the air with the, uh, with the birds, uh, subatomic kingdom, uh, physics, the laws of nature, laws of gravity, laws of lift. All this came out of the Chaos. So uh, when there's chaos, especially during the time of COVID, it gives us a chance to reset, to pivot, and to be ready for the next 30 or 40 years of what God wants to do. And so anybody who imitates the Trinitarian model will release a torrent of creativity that will accentuate and advance the purpose. Number nine, there's unending love in the Trinitarian principle. In the Gospels, we see how each member of the triune God loved each other. And each organization will have to cultivate a culture of love in order to thrive in the midst of the turmoil and uncertainty that precedes the fulfillment of any purpose, whether it's during COVID or any kind of purpose you have. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be spiritual warfare. There may even be chaos. But if there is a culture of love, it will be able to withstand the storms that every entity will have to face. And so there was a culture of love. In John 17, verse 23, Jesus said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know you, that you have sent me, and I've made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. It was all about love. The Father loved the church as much as he loved Jesus. And it was in a family built on love. We have to have a culture of love if we're going to succeed. There was unending love in the triune Godhead, and there was unending love amongst those who are part of his plan. So that's very, very important for us. Number 10, in the Trinitarian model, there is structure and pattern. Of course, we see that before God placed human beings in the earth, he had to first take the chaos and bring order to it. And so uh, God told Moses to build according to the pattern he showed him. So we need to understand in the Trinitarian model, we have to have structure 
pattern and systems in order to flourish. Number 11, there is a process towards purpose. The Trinitarian principle includes an intentionality related to purpose that results in fulfilling their objectives. For example, before Jesus was even born of the flesh to establish his kingdom on earth, he had to wait until the epochs of the patriarchs, Moses, David, and the prophets were fulfilled. So there are different ages and process, starting with Abraham, and, uh, and of course started with the fall of Adam and then Noah. And so any person or entity that attempts to bypass their assigned process will frustrate their purpose. Jesus said to the two men at the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, verse 25, when they doubted that Jesus was the prophet that was to come, he said to them, O foolish ones and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory, meaning there was a process. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning himself. Last but not least, there is an empowerment and release to others. Each member of the Triune Godhead not only works together, but have delegated their authority to ministry gifts. We call it APEST, Apostles, prophets, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Some call it fivefold ministry, some call it five cluster gifts, some call it the five ascension gifts. And so God, it tells us in Ephesians 4, 7, has delegated a piece of the DNA of Jesus in each person who's a Christian and has empowered them and given them one of these five gifts. Some of them, of course, are called to be in the church, most are called to be in the workplace. So this Trinitarian principle results in verse 12 of Ephesians 4, that these ascension gifts were given to perfect or mature or equip God's people for the work of the ministry until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, that we're no longer children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by the cunning craftedness of men, by their trick, trickery to deceive, that we would come into the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. And so the triune Godhead did not just leave it to Jesus. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. The greatest of, of the works started post-ascension in the book of Acts, Chapter 2, after the day of Pentecost. Chapter 28 ends with Paul preaching the word of God, the kingdom of God, unhindered. Chapter 9, 29 rather, chapter 30, 31, etc. continues through you. Tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, that the narrative that Luke wrote, the gospel, recorded all that Jesus began to do and teach. By implication, he was framing the book of Acts and saying, the book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do through the church. And so the Godhead knows how to delegate, knows how to empower, and if we're going to act like the Trinitarian God, we're going to empower others and release them to do great works. The Trinitarian principle teaches us, in essence, that the distribution of labor is the key to creating a movement. I pray that all of you are part 
of God's global movement. God bless you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.